good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Michael Zolivari, and today we are gearing up for a brand new ELMS season, a hopefully less interrupted ELMS season. And to take us through all the ins and outs, I've been joined by Oliver Trovis. Ollie, good to hear from you again. Yes, ELMS is back. Yeah, best yes. sports series in the world, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Awesome. That I'm is so excited. Good- it is like I'm. I've not been this excited for a European level well, for for any sort of series in recent memory for so long. I think the last time I was this excited for a series was like 2017 V8 Supercars because that was just a mess, but the best kind of mess. <laughs> Sounds like supercars. It does. Uh, anyway, uh, before we crack into it properly, we must uh, give a shout out and a big thank you to our sponsor, uh, theracingline.app, uh, your motorsport calendar service. Customize all your series and sessions so that way you don't ever miss a race or series or session of your favorite series. I'm doing a great job of this, aren't I? Yes, thank you to The Racing Line for sponsoring us and, yeah, making sure that they keep on top of all the calendar changes. That way you don't have to uh, because there is still a chance, a non-zero chance that this calendar season uh, for both the WC, the ELMS and all the other sports cars around the world could be truncated with uh, further COVID-afflicted outbreaks, etc., etc. Because this season, this calendar has already been afflicted by a change thanks to the COVID situation, uh, hasn't it? It was meant to start... A month ago, I think. Yeah, um, everything's still been affected over the the third wave in Europe over the winter and and early spring. ELMS is sometimes or goes a bit hand in hand tied with the World Endurance Championship. So that was obviously due to start uh, with a prologue in Portimao pretty soon, and that's all been shuffled around. So that's had a knock on. Uh, effect onto the European Le Mans series. Um, I've been caught out a few times. Um, things haven't been updated. So yes, having a aggregator that compiles all of the dates in one place, like the racing line is pretty handy. Yes, yes, indeed. Especially when there's daylight savings changeovers that all happen on different weeks around the world. Like, for example, I've just gone through daylight savings changeover and it's made me sad because now it's dark and cold and wintry, which is the worst kind of year but yeah, anyway, that'll that'll help you not be sad because you'll be watching racing instead. So let's talk about some racing. Uh, European Le Mans series, right? Uh, starting with the official test at Barcelona coming up this week ahead of the first round again at Barcelona. Six-round championship going to Barcelona, Red Bull Ring, Le Castellet, Monza, Spa-Francorchamps, and Portimao. That's a pretty nice, tasty-looking calendar if you just look at it like that. that there's some really good tracks in that calendar. Yeah, it's it's a big shame with the glaringly uh, obvious missing out of uh, the British market, mm. considering a lot of the team teams uh, personnel are Brits. A lot of British drivers as well would have been nice at home race and um, British fans as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a uh, a glaring omission there, but the a lot of these tracks are fab. Uh, brilliant so um yeah the racing uh should be good across the season yeah and these are all tracks that have seen european le mans series action prior uh i think the last time red bull ring was on the calendar was two seasons ago and portimao is returning this season i think um after 
being not used last season because of F1. I think it was used in the finales. Was it? Yes. Was it not the finale? Um, but it was moved because of the F1. I'm. Uh, I can't quite remember. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure on the details. It has been a long time since the last European Le Mans series. It's been longer. Um, yeah, it's been longer for Red Bull Ring that that was um, yeah. removed, and and I think everyone was uh, sad about that yeah. um, when it was taken from the calendar. So for it to be brought back is is brilliant. It's so good. Uh, it's one of my favorite multi-class tracks because it's just incredibly. Uh, fast and furious and then very difficult to pass on as well so that that'll be a great uh great race to to watch what what is the the track that you're most looking forward to this season obviously had they been going to silverstone you you would have got the the lads together and you would have gone wouldn't you yeah probably uh it's been a while since we've been in person to uh even be allowed to go to mm. uh, racetracks so i kind of miss the the sounds, the sights, the smells, um, the visceral everything. nature of it. Yeah. yeah. So, when was the last um, time you were actually at a racetrack? That's a great question. Um, Sorry for everyone about to be sad in the audience after they think about this a bit a little too long. It might have been Le Mans twenty nineteen. Wow, that's uh, a long time. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, um, I, I will probably shed a tear uh, the first time I get to hear um or see or smell race cars again um which hopefully won't be too long um but anyway uh yeah. back to your question sorry sorry um, sorry for the, the... the group sads that i've just enforced on everyone <laughs> yes i think we're all having a, a little feel session um i am looking forward to the red bull ring returning um i think the most um monza spa portimao they're all great rounds i mean yeah, it's all. It's going to be great. Yeah, I I'm pretty thrilled that the Red Bull Ring is back. I'm also pretty keen for Monza. That falls like the weekend before my birthday, and I'll be on holidays then. So I'm literally just gonna like park myself down and do nothing for that entire weekend, but watch the European Le Mans series, which would be great. Uh, one thing I will say about this uh, calendar is don't get your heart too set on it. I've heard some uh, inklings and rumors and stuff from some people pretty in the know to say that should thing should the situation change, they'll pretty much change the calendar on a whim. So uh, it, it looks pretty great now, though, but let's hope it stays looking pretty great and the world can get to some level of normality that continues to keep it pretty great because that would be nice. I'd like a pretty nice, nice world. And another interesting thing, the the gap in the calendar for Le Mans is uh, between rounds four and five. Normally, we see that fall a lot earlier in the season um, for the ELMS. Normally, it's between, what, rounds two and three uh, that they do uh, that have the gap for Le Mans? Yeah, this is this is interesting because it, it, it can uh, play into the hands of the European Le Mans series teams mm. in terms of um, having... Uh, more preparation for the 24 hours um they 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 can use like the majority of the european le mans series as a uh, a prep um we'll come on to some more reasons why this year is going to be more important uh, in terms of using the european le mans series in terms of the way that the cars are set up um with their uh, aero and things like that um for the 24 hours um so I think this plays into the hands of European Le Mans series teams um, because, yeah, they have a lot more, they, they have a lot more running than usual. Mm. Um, 
to, to gather data, etc., etc. And that is going to be a really important point because on April Fool's Day of all days, all days to release information like this, the WC and the ELMS and the ACO put out a, a, a release or announcement uh, about the changing of the LMP2 class again. So for those who have been out of the loop, uh, because the LMH class is going to be a little slower than the LMP1 class used to be, uh, as a run-on effect, that's now going to slow down the LMP2 class. Everyone was happy with that. There was meant to be like a 40 horsepower reduction in terms of uh, a little bit of... uh, so a new exhaust and a rev limit or whatever whatever was meant to lo- lower that down and that's what we saw at the Asian Le Mans series so we were looking at the new LMP2 pace at the Asian Le Mans series um, apparently the stratification which is the word that they're using now to unify this slowing down of the subsequent classes um, the stratification has been uh further knocked back and they decided to release this on an april fool's day for some god unknown reason but there is going to be a lot of reason for new testing uh, and uh they're going to get a lot of use out of the testing because the changes have been massive uh so let's go through some of these changes uh compared to where they were meant to be for the asian Mon series the asian Mon series was meant to be the new p2 pace now what they're saying is that they are they're getting rid of the new spec tire that was meant to be in for the LMP2 class. That was scrapped because, according to the ACO, uh, it would, had problems with drivability. So they need a plan B for the, the tires. Uh, they've dropped power down a bit further, down by fifty kilowatts more. I think. Um, can you fifty clarify? kilowatts total? 50 kilowatts total. So it was 20 kilowatts yeah. initially, 50 kilowatts total. So now it's around yeah. 400 kilowatts out of those uh, uh, Gibson engines, those V8 Gibson engines. They've increased the weight up about 20 kilos, and they are only using the Le Mans aero packages. So uh, so from round two, they're, they're making that change because some teams are already at Barcelona doing testing. Uh, so that's, that's pretty widespread changes, Ollie. That's What were your reaction when you first saw it? Because I was... Blown away. Well, as we mentioned, the 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 uh, the date. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a joke, um, like a haha, you know, good one, ACO. Uh, but no, it was real. Uh, yes, uh, it's frustrating um, when you think about the 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 teams that have planned already mm. for the season. You know, a, a handful of days beforehand. For example, TDS, who operate um, Racing Team Nederland, and I think Real Team Racing for WEC, uh, they had tested the cars as is um, in high downforce spec for what they uh, rightly assumed to be what they were going to be racing with. Um, And all of that data is now trash because it's not representative of the car that they're racing with. Now that takes up track time in terms of cost to the team and to the amateurs who are paying for it. That takes up time of their test days that they're allowed in terms of allowance. It costs in terms of wear parts, in terms of, um, you know, wearing out your brakes, wearing out your engine, that sort of thing, your gearbox. Um, precisely. Um, it's a waste of the the people's time um 
yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a bit crap. Um, as <laughs> a bit crap is the... a very light way of putting it. Well, yeah, and then you think about the teams that have never used him before or never even expected to need Le Mans Aero kits. Um, you know, you've got teams that have just joined LMP2 class racing. They've just bought a car that comes with the standard high downforce Aero that's used everywhere outside of Le Mans pretty much. They've now got to get rid of that bodywork somehow or just put it in a storeroom and never use it again. They've got to now go to Orica and say, hey, I need to buy X number of really expensive front ends. That's the main uh, change to the cars. Um, it, it's wasteful. Uh, it's expensive. It, yeah, just it's... that. And the planning of the, the part supply is a bit of a joke. Uh, I mean, mm. Orica's fine. Yeah. They'll make loads of money out of it because they're getting a lot more... Uh, in business you know they're yeah. not going to go through that many body kits uh in a season with crashes um well you never know because there are quite a few uh amateurs um in the bronze drivers in these p2s but still um they're going to be making a lot of money uh, hopefully they can supply them in time as you mentioned barcelona the first round will be standard um as what we're used to but then from the red bull ring onwards we're going to have the le mans aero kit which is um a slightly in the main uh slightly different front end yeah. um hopefully all those parts can be supplied because it it would be a bit crap if <laughs> the teams didn't have enough spares because of supply problems yeah. and uh if they have a any damage they're just going to have to be stuck with it yeah it's that uh, that's certainly one big aspect of it, the supply lines, and uh, you you feel for teams like G Drive or uh, like as a part of Algarve or TDS who may have chosen to do the Asian Le Mans series as part of their testing program for the European Le Mans series and for the WC and for Le Mans. All of a sudden, that data gets thrown out the window, and the reason it gets thrown out the window is because these aren't small changes. You're reducing the power by what ten percent almost. That's not insignificant, and the downforce change with the Le Mans Aero kit is again not insignificant it's substantial and the extra weight as well all of these things add stress to a car and that means that the testing that you've done in the off season just gets thrown out the window and uh, talking to i had a chat to graham goodwin about this during the week talking to him about it he says that for some teams the level amount of testing that they've done the amount of personnel that they've been bringing to racetracks the track time the driver time the parts that they've been using that would be up in the six figures of of costs that they are literally just throwing out of the window because of these changes so late on in the piece. That's that's a lot of money to just be throwing away. And you know, as you said, you know, that's that's personnel at the racetracks, that's feeding these personnel, that's housing these personnel, that's paying for their time, that's paying for the consumables, tires, fuel, fatigue on the parts. There's a lot of costs going on and it's I don't know if they're not confident that there's going to be enough of a gap. Whereas, you know, there was there was barely any gap in the in the WEC at Le Mans last year. You know, P2 were doing the same sector one times. I mean, I know sector one's not the same the whole track, but it's not like it's not like there wasn't a gap present. I don't under to me to me it doesn't really make sense. I they must be very nervous the ACO about how fast hypercar is going to be because I. They, they they can't they couldn't just it, it doesn't make sense to make that change that late on in the piece yeah they they have uh bodged um or botched it 
uh, well, both uh, phrases apply really. Um, it, it's just been, ACO things. Uh, yeah, it, it is very last minute. Um, it's a bit of an embarrassment, to be honest. The 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 key, I think, is if you look at the the top end of performance of P two and it kind of nibbling at the heels of the new top class. Um, I suppose they don't want the, to make the top class look bad, but also it's the it's it's where the the amateurs sit, and they're 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 encouraging bronzes to join with mm. the pro am sub class um, in the WEC and in ELMS, but uh, but these bronzes are uh, they vary in driving talent, <laughs> and uh, the least high performing drivers might get in the way a lot with the gt pro class in WEC, for example um a little question that i want to put to you just as we're talking about how this affects WEC, but not necessarily so much with elms um well it would in terms of crossover performance with p3s potentially but um what do you think about um having these WEC impacts knocking on to European Le Mans series because obviously the new top class for ACO racing is not in European Le Mans series so um do you think these changes should should have been just ignored for European Le Mans series and let them do their thing and then whenever they align and European Le Mans teams that go to WEC for one off rounds or if they share a chassis between then they make the changes um for uh, WEC rounds and just then there's less of a knock-on effect. Yeah, look, I, I, I want to say, I want to say yes. I want to say leave the LM, the LMS and Asian Le Mans series, and to be fair, also the IMSA LMP2 class unshackled as its as its fastest possible outcome. But that doesn't really make sense uh, in terms of a, a like a unified P2 class. Right. Yep. The, the 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 good. Th- well, one of the things about the L- LMP2 class in the ELMS specifically um, that that people will uh, it contributes to the great racing, sure. But also the point of doing the LMP2 class in the ELMS isn't just to win that class or to race in that class. It's as a as a setup for Le Mans and what you're learning by running in that class. The set the setups the strategies, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that, that is all able to be transferred to Lamar. And if you don't have that, then you're kind of losing a little bit of a... a, a your a, wet round then. Pardon? On the other hand, to that, just do a wet round then. Yeah, but... It, if you it, want practice, it'll be spa. Yeah, one one round or Portimao, that's fine. But I... I no, nah, I I don't I don't think it is as easy to just say oh just jump into the work for a round because that's going to have its own costs that are associated with it as well and yep. something that we are you know talking massively about in motorsport worldwide at the moment is cost cutting and managing costs and making sure that we can't we don't outspend a category's lifetime if that makes sense you know so we're not killing categories by having too much costs associated with them so I think. If you do it globally, everyone's on the same playing field. Data's transferable. Experience is transferable. Remember, these AM drivers are going to be expecting a level of performance now. If they and adjusting to that level of performance isn't, you know, going to be too hard for a pro driver because that's their job. But for an amateur, it might be something that they struggle with. You know, Heinrich Hedman, for example, was trash in a P1 car, but 
actually manage to not be as trash in a P2 car. So it's, I think having it unified is the best plan. I wish they had done this five months ago, four months ago, instead of literally three weeks from when they were meant to be racing. Yeah, it, it it's all a bit mismanaged um, in terms of a uh, planning the, the pace um, better uh, mm. in advance then planning uh, a plan B and having that ready to go so the teams know what's going to happen if the brand new tyres aren't right first time. Yeah, these teams didn't know uh, this was going to be an opportunity. And mm. yeah, it pisses off the, the amateur drivers. Um, they might get they might be made to look stupid by uh, the good drivers in if there's a good driver in an LMP3. A Malta Jacobson or a Wayne yes, Boyd exactly. or someone like that or Emmanuel Maldonado. Yes, maybe, maybe, and yeah. So they're they're getting pissed off. They might not have if they knew about this going into it. They might not have put their money up front. Yeah, absolutely. It's pissing off entries, and they might pull out at the end of the season because of moves like this yeah it, um, it is it is a bit of a bait and switch that's that's gone on here uh in terms of the lmp2 category and i can certainly feel sensitive to some of the amateurs who have invested that money in testing and want to race their the fastest toy that they can i mean sure that's fine but the fact that now that's getting slowed down to a point where they might not enjoy it and like it, it could be at some corners in some places that the, you're on the limit of aerodynamic efficiency because you've got added weight, you've got tires. Okay, so they're running last year's tires. That's what they're keeping, which is fine. But, you know, it's not the same as having a, a new tire made for this adjusted category. Uh, the Less engine power means you're going to have less speed globally around the track. So, and, and a lower downforce kit. You might actually see cars being incapable of driving at that aerodynamic efficiency that they need to be in order to be lapping these circuits in a safe and competitive way. Like, can no, you imagine... it, it'll be safe. They've still got a lot of downforce. Yeah. Um, okay. But like, it... you know, some of, some of the, some of the parts in the circuit that are going to be what, where you're on the, on the border of aerodynamic efficiency, like say Puon or something like that, you know, you could see cars get much more out of shape through there, especially at the hands of AM drivers, because they're just not used to the lack of aerodynamic efficiency through those parts of the track. Well, I think, yeah, I think it, it's it's not going to be that much of an issue for the pro drivers. Mm. Um, maybe in qualifying, when they just throw the court, the cars around, then some might become unstuck. Um, especially if there's you know a, a windy um, ambient conditions around or whatever. But I think this is more going to be an impact uh, for the less experienced drivers because uh, they might not be um, as understanding uh, of how the cars would feel, um, especially with less testing this spring, um, how the cars feel with less downforce. Mm. Um, The better amateur drivers will be able to cope better and the worse amateur drivers won't. So I expect the amateur driving quality to be a bigger, wider spread. If you've got a super silver, surely 
they're going to be um they'll be laughing able to cope you know you remember the practice sessions from Le Mans last year where we had Mikkel Jensen in the G drive talking about setting up the car to the to the um uh race engineer yeah and he was a silver rated driver you think about how he's going to set up the car or be competent at setting up the car with less downforce compared to a bronze driver there's yeah. going to be night and day difference um so i don't want to see this spread the p2 class out because the racing is fantastic uh over the it has been over the last three years at least um to see that spread out potentially when amateurs are in the car or or, or split the bronzes being miles back and mm. um compared to the, the the silver amateur drivers um, we'll have to wait and see on that, but I am a little bit scared about something like that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly going to look different, and I'll, I'm not sure if it's going to look as exciting as it has done. Whether that be because the pace isn't there. I mean, you can have very exciting lower class races, but there is something just absolutely terrifying about a swarm of 17, 18, 16 LMP2 cars. Fly, firing their way through like a very high downforce section like, it's just if that if that same sort of visceral feeling isn't there you could see the series start to lose fans and start to lose competitors as well um i had a point that i was going to make here and it has left my head oh yes here it is something interesting that i've just noticed in the bottom of the dsc article uh which details these changes um uh, the new level of performance will be introduced in all competitions where LMP2 cars eligible to complete in the 24 hours of Le Mans are in use. And it has in brackets the World Endurance Championship, the European Le Mans Series, and the Asian Le Mans Series. So this isn't affecting IMSA, question mark? They already had um, these sorts of restrictions applied to the cars. So they, for example, they've... Uh, had to use Le Mans gearing yep. um, to slow the car's uh, acceleration out of the corners because they would get in the way of the DPIs lapping them. Um, they've had power reductions already applied when they did the class split. Oh, which is um, still they the dumbest do part not of the have... series. Sorry. Yes. They, uh, they, they, uh, they do, I believe, that they would, I believe, still have high downforce aero. So... Um, by all means, if you're a European P2 team and you want to use your bodywork you already have, go and race Daytona or mm. anywhere in IMSA, um, or send uh, the, the all the aero uh, front ends in the post. Yeah. Um, there may be some teams that want them. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, I think the the big difference between... IMSA P2 as well would be the tyres. Uh, do they not use Michelin rubber? Um, whereas uh, we obviously are switching to removing the the tyre war to just mm. be Goodyear's in um, uh, Europe. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's that. That's definitely going to be a big factor. Um, it would be nice if the IMSA P2 class could get some more uh, entrance, but I guess it doesn't really have a market because of the way that IMSA mismanaged the class. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm still not over that. 2017 in IMSA was the best season of action and they killed it. Look at how they mass massacred my boy. Honestly, it was 
Still not over that. Anyway, um, something you did mention was a splitting of amateurs throughout the race, whether that be because of super silvers versus bronzes. And part of that as well is because of the new pro-am category that the ELMS is introducing in LMP2. So uh, we have in front of us now the uh, ELMS entry list, the full season entry list, uh, which features 16 LMP2 cars uh, along with seven pro-am so included in that is seven pro-am uh competitors how do you feel about the pro-am class do you, do you think this is something that is necessary because it's um, been rumbling about it for a while so just as a bit of background um in the wec i don't know if they did this for european le mans series last season as well but they kind of had like a participation trophy for the best bronze driver um in p2 on the the um podium and gave them a little trophy um for those that don't know as well the 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 p2 category you need at least one silver or below ranked driver and for competitive reasons a lot of teams they have a a silver and then um two um professional drivers yeah um and then if you want a really big game in the system that silver will be someone like Phil Hansen or Mikkel Jensen or someone who definitely shouldn't be a silver but somehow is a silver. Wasn't Jobber uh, Neuter a silver driver, a super silver driver for a while? Yes, he was. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's certainly made the jump up to being a professional. Um, so yeah, the, 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 this is kind of... They, they don't want to split the class in two. Because you can still win the race as a bronze mm. rated, uh, as a bronze rated driver. If you have the right crew, you might have a bit of luck. So for them to cut the class in half, yeah, you might be in the European Le Mans series. You're still going for the overall win, but it's still clunky to completely split the class in yeah. two. But then also, it's a bit weird um, because it kind of means nothing as well to win <laughs> yeah. the pro-am class it's kind of like a subcategory within the class but it isn't, isn't. It, um, it and then the naming like... of it it's, Go ahead, they're both pro-am the, yeah. the naming of it they're both pro-am so you know it's it's just pro-am good and pro-am bad <laughs> i guess yeah I, I like i would have been content with it being called like pro bronze or just bronze lmp lmp bronze yeah, yeah, that's cause something that's, like that. Because that's the point, right? It's the point is to to allow bronze drivers to feel more involved in winning stuff in the class. Because I don't think, off the top of my head, there has been an ELMS race that has been won with a bronze driver. Uh, I think there Henry has Hedman. Henry Hedman. Yes, that's actually a good point, and that was with Dragon Speed with Nicola Lapierre and Ben Hanley. I would expect. Um, well, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, Fritz van Erd has won a WEC race. Correct, yeah. Yeah. And Cool Racing has won a WEC race, but that was because Alexander Conny was injured and couldn't race. <laughs> yes. But they've done they've still done bloody well in European Le Mans series cool oh, racing absolutely. as well. So um yeah. Uh it is possible. You you need luck, you need bloody good pro drivers, you need good team, um and yeah your bronze to drive a clean race with the minimum amount of seat time. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully have some of that time behind a safety car. 
uh yeah um but it is still possible and maybe having the pro-am kind of makes these bronzes that do well um look less uh of an amazing feat kind of thing um like it is uh, like it was before um they will still yeah i i i'm still pulling for pro am um cars to do well and maybe it's a good thing to have to highlight them and say hey look who's the best pro am car running at the moment at the, the hourly you know Updates, um yeah. update uh, and you glance down the timing and you see which one is the best in pro am um punching above their weight so maybe in in it's a it's a good way in 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 that respect but it it kind of just feels a bit weird but yeah. highlighting these bronze drivers um, when they're doing well is a good thing. So I, I would honestly yeah. be I would honestly be happy with the uh, the concept if the Pro Am class was set up like the GT class, in which you need a bronze and at least a silver or lower, and then you can have a pro. Because some of these Pro Am cars are just absolutely shonky. So the one that I am going to point out, and then we can move into talking about some of the other driver, cars and drivers, uh, Racing Team Turkey. You have Harry Tinknell and Charlie Eastwood, who are professional drivers in that car, and then also Sally Yolok, who, yes, sure, he's a bronze, but he's probably one of the best bronze drivers to come out of the WEC in the last five years so like that car should absolutely not be in this pro-am category when you have cars and drivers who are made up entirely of bronze and silver drivers you know you have the idex sport car which is actually era motorsports from the us if you've been following that so you have dwight merriman kyle tilly and ryan dl dl's a great driver fantastic but merriman and tilly are kind of crap even though they won the daytona 24 hours in class but can you kind of see the the kind of dichotomy in that it's it's you've got a bronze driver who's basically a, a well not basically a Le Mans in a series champion paired up with two absolute top professionals and then on the other hand you have what equates to the chiropractor and his mates going for a lap <laughs> yeah and you have you have if you have a team like racing team turkey that you highlight where your bronze is pretty much going to be a silver soon you'd expect because of the amount of things they're winning and then you compare that to a team that's let's say maybe has three silvers there's going to be an overlap there and the pro-am and the non-pro-am it doesn't tell the whole picture no so we're not shitting on these pro-am cars as you know they're they're all going to be behind the the other non-pro-am entries they're, they're still going to be in the mix um is just something to think about in terms of having the bronze drivers. Now, yes, Racing Team Turkey, I think they're kind of punching above their weight in terms of having a, a bronze um, yeah. in their car, uh, looking at the rest of the lineup, but also it's a it's a pretty good team behind yes, it. Um, team. There are other examples, you know, you, you could argue Cool Racing as well, um, uh, because yeah. um, Borgers still really quick for being a silver i'm surprised he's still a silver he's not um, he's been updated to, to gold on oh, the official entry list finally finally, finally. yeah i know right oh, i was i've been calling for it for a while and uh, I, I, I absolutely absolutely deserved and i mean that with no offense but he should have been a, a gold for a long time prior to now yes but uh that's yeah that's a that's a prime example 
yeah. to to compare with as well. Um, they have Quan Yi in the car, who's a bronze. Um, I'm not going to. I'm trying not to be harsh, but I don't think he's too quick. But on the other hand, his teammates are bloody quick. Yeah. So these guys and and they know how to set the car up. Um, yes. So. Uh, you know the cool racing racing team turkey they are still going to kind of break the mold of pro am mm, absolutely uh we should talk uh, about a few of the teams in the european Le Mans series now that we've had that discussion there's there's four new teams um jumping up to p2 well three plus one really uh so we've already mentioned racing racing team turkey which you can kind of uh analogize as tf sport um well because they're run by tf sport so that's basically the gtm car from last season pumped straight into the lmp2 class we've we've made mention of sally you look charlie eastwood they're staying together and they're adding harry tinknell as opposed to johnny adam uh i think that's a win i think tinknell is a very very good driver and i respect him a lot uh also, we've got Ultimate stepping up from LMP3. Uh, so they're jumping into the LMP, uh, the, the Pro-Am category. And they have um, Matteo LaHaye, Jean-Baptiste LaHaye, and uh, Francois Hero, uh, who I'm pretty sure the... It was, uh, were both of the LaHayes uh, in the LMP3 car? Uh, car? Yes, they yeah. were. And then... Uh, so, yeah, Triple Am. Yeah, Triple AM. So that's going to be one of the the cars that maybe uh, is going to be falling away uh, in that Pro AM category. Uh, Team WRT are also in European Le Mans series. There's been a lot of hype and bother about this team because the first listed driver in Team WRT was uh, Robert Kubica. So uh, he's he's certainly going to attract a lot of attention. Uh, and in that car as well is Louis Delatraz who uh, raced in the Rebellion last year, if I recall correctly, and Yifei Ye, who put a sterling effort in the Asian Le Mans series in one of the G-Drive cars. So that's a pretty cool lineup. It's a pretty one. scary lineup. Yifei Ye won the uh, Asian Le Mans series. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that depending on how Robert Kubica does as a pro um, in that car, I've, I've got faith in Louis Delatraz and uh, Yifei Ye against other Silvers. I think they're uh, in a really good shout for the for the for for doing well with the least race wins. Yeah, um, well, Team WRT think... are super pro oh, in yeah. the way that they run things, so um, they've got at least that side sorted. Yeah, if uh, yeah, so he's the silver in that car, right? That sh- that's that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> that's not possible. Like you can't tell me that's possible. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and there are some others that will come on to as well. Oh my gosh, this is... We're going to use that word. This is a stacked grid, and it's kind of terrifying. Uh, there's also a second G-Drive racing car, which has been an anomaly. Normally, in the, in the European Le Mans series, at least we've seen one G-Drive racing car. Um, part of that is because it's actually G-Drive sponsored by Algarve, or run by Algarve, or Algarve is actually... It's actually an Algarve Pro Racing car, but with G-Drive on the side of it, it's a, it's a weird thing. Um, so one of those G-Drive cars has the normal suspect of uh, Roman Rusinov, um, but also in that car, which is the all-pro car, you have, well, all-pro, the, yeah. the championship contender, we'll call it. Um, you have Nick DeFries and Franco Colapinto, uh, who was... Quite possibly the breakout driver of the Asian Le Mans series earlier in the year. Uh, 17 years old, still a silver, by far the best driver in the Asian Le Mans series paddock. 
the evil empire has returned. Yeah, yeah. It's G Drive be... have taken the mantle back. Yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be G Drive versus United once again. But that is that's a terrifying looking car. I you could not you could, almost couldn't get three better drivers on the grid, let alone a better. Or you you could maybe find a better gold, but still, Rusinov is absolutely no slouch. Yeah, I think the the question mark that people aren't talking about so much is it is Algarve Pro operating the car. Yeah. Now, before so they've had a big merry-go-round of working with different teams operating the cars, uh, have G Drive. Um, now they've moved from TDS, uh, I would say, as a step down to Algarve Pro. Yeah. Um, TDS are kind of like the gold standard for or one of the gold standards for P2 racing, um, or have been for the past few years. Um, I'm yet to see or be convinced about this move um being for performance reasons um <laughs> but yeah uh, it, it, all algarve pro have to do is keep it clean in the pits and just let their drivers do the talking yeah um uh, whether they can um set the car up well um that's another question as well obviously for them to do the talking on track but um yeah, that's a little asterisk, like holding back from giving them the title already. But uh, yeah, and then you mentioned the second team in the Pro-Am category. That's kind of like what uh, the, um, was it the RLR M-Sport Tower Events car, which had John Falb in it maybe? No, I can't remember, the, the or was that John Ferrano? Yeah, the Tower Events is John Ferrano. Uh, uh, okay. Falb is the um the Algarve Pro amateur driver so he's the one paying yeah. for the thing and like his drivers are still pretty good you know he's got uh Rui uh Rui Andrada who has more middle names and I can't remember them at the moment and Pietro Fittipaldi so you know they're still quality drivers but you know with John Falb they're not going to be an overall contender unless unless they just happen to be good yeah we'll see I mean if it comes down to Pietro Fittipaldi being behind the safety car yeah. Right up behind someone's bumper, uh, for a sprint to the to the line. Yeah, sure they can do it. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other Algar Pro Racing car uh, has some really interesting sort of uh, names in there. So we got Richard Bradley, who's a pretty well known quantity, uh, and then uh, Ferdinand Hatzberg, uh, who was driving the G Drive car over in the Asian One Series, and Diego Menchada, uh, who you would have remembered if you were. Uh, into Blank Pain GT, uh, the the um Triple F Lamborghini he was driving uh, over there. So, uh, really interesting pickup there. Not someone who I'd really been tracking for a while. Yeah, I think this this is going to be an interesting entry to watch. It's kind of come a bit out of nowhere. Like, if you don't know, watch Blank Pan and concentrate the on the lower classes. Blank Pan, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, if you didn't watch Blank Pan when it was called Blank Pan and you weren't concentrating on the lower classes, uh, then you wouldn't have any idea who Diego is. But yeah, uh, I think this is going to be quite a tidy entry. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking out for this one. It'll be sure. it'll be pretty tasty. It might fly under the radar. It might be something like a a little bit of a say maybe a racing team Netherlands or 
something like that in the past who just kind of snuck up on you without realizing how good they actually are. So we've already mentioned this evil empire. We should mention the other evil empire because the other evil empire has gone through some big changes. So of course, we're talking about United Autosports. Uh, firstly, the big change for them is that they are their incredible super silver that has been supering all of the silver in the last, what, two seasons is now gold. Uh, Phil Hansen has been upgraded to gold, so he can no longer fulfill the the super silver role in the team. Um, but that's okay because now they have Tom Gamble to do that for them in the number 22. Uh, and they've added to that uh, Jonathan Aberdeen. So uh, from, I believe that South Africa is the is the signature there. Can you tell me anything about Aberdeen? Because I've never never heard of him before. I think he did DTM. Okay. Um, but not competitively, I don't remember. Yeah, okay, so that's, that's interesting to me because I would have expected in that car to keep some level of continuity with, you know, Felipe Albuquerque or Job van Oetert or, or, or uh, Alex Brundle or someone like that, someone who would been in the United Autosport stable for a while, but they've kind of, it, it seems like they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater here uh, with, with Phil Hansen being upgraded to gold. Yeah, it does feel a, a bit weird not having the, the old guard of, um, mm. as you mentioned, uh, of, of their pro drivers. Um, whether Phil can step up and, and take on that experienced role as the team, within the team rather, we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah a bit of an unknown quantity um in this car now mm. um so we can't expect them to win every race like we could last season i'm looking forward to it and and then their second car um as well that's really interesting so manuel maldonado who did uh, asian le mans series in the united p3 car to as a prep for ACO or introduction to ACO racing is joined by Job van Oetert, as you mentioned, and Nico Jaman. Now that is quite exciting. So what, like, I think that of the two cars is now the stronger car, but what makes that lineup so exciting for you? Well, I think it's the Job van Oetert and Nico Jaman are two like bloody quick drivers. Um, and then there's the kind of interesting aspect of, of Maldonado um, growing his career uh, as the amateur driver in there. Mm. Um, I think it's exciting. Um, I agree. Yeah, with that. I, I agree with that. I think uh, Jovan Oita is probably one of the best P2 drivers around at the moment, which is kind of scary to say. Uh, but I think the, the only thing that I can really think of that's missing from the United Autosports Challenge is a, like a proper experienced seasoned driver you know if you look they don't at their, have a legend yeah if you look at their if you look at their um driver lineup from last season you had felipe albuquerque paul de Resta, um and alex brundle in in those cars you know drivers that have been around p2 cars for ages and been winning everything in them so all three of them had vacated those seats and it's sure it's a fresh lineup but it's it doesn't have that same scary factor as it used to yeah, there, there, there is still that unknown because it's, there's so much new. Mm. Um, so the scientist in me is not happy about changing so many variables in, uh, without testing in between. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, less testing for sure. Um, but yeah, the also uh, Will Owen 
the amateur for the other for the second car um historically for the last well few seasons has has moved on mm. uh, i can't think of the top of my head where he's moved on to um that's a bit of a miss because he was really stepping up his game um the last season but um pastures new with uh, Mal- manuel maldonado um and yeah looking forward to uh him silencing a lot of um nasty memes ah <laughs> uh, yes some for some people their name is a blessing and for others it might be just a little bit of a curse he did very well in the Asian Le Mans series though like that car won the championship pretty convincingly in the end yeah um but but p3 is different a different beast so um we'll, yeah, we'll see this is true uh other interesting names that we haven't yet talked about uh duquesne in uh is is returning this is someone that you've uh we, we like to say it's your favorite team but really you just picked them once for that one fantasy wec when they had uh a former porsche lmp1 driver whose name escapes me i can see his face but i can't remember his name uh in as their pro and french La- roman record. dumas that's uh, it yeah there we yeah, go there we go we did it <laughs> Uh, but still, Duquesne Racing, Duquesne team, uh, Tristan Gomedy and Maimo Rojas with Rene Binder as the amateur. That's a pretty good team. That's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I'm, I think this is, I put this down as, as a dark horse. Um, I think Rene Binder's okay. Um, he, he has a bit of P1 experience with the bicolors. Let's not forget, some of it was okay, some of it wasn't backwards off track. But. On the other hand, some of the times he had damage, he was crashed into. Yeah. So, um, I think this uh, they've got good good pros in this car. Um, Memo Rojas, uh, previous ELMS champion as with well, Dragon um, Speed with IDEC. Oh, with IDEC. Oh, yeah, of IDEC. course. That um, was, oh, that was a cool season. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, right down to the wire. Um, and yeah, I think Tristan Gomedy a pretty safe pair of hands as well so um i think this uh is one to look out for you, you uh, remember it it's, a... they've changed they've changed to a black and green not black and blue so oh, i prefer the uh, black and blue honestly what is it with all these teams change from green to green to uh, blue to green rather uh how many i don't get it <laughs> nah, it's just <laughs> don't mind they're don't all mind blue me. i'm just yeah they are they, they were for a time all blue uh another team to look at uh graph racing we used to see graph racing challenge for overall wins now not so much they've gone with a, a pro-am category car uh vincent capillier uh, maxime robin and Arn- arnold robin so that's gonna be uh, not a car to really get your hopes up about i used to really like the graph racing team i think their their le mans challenge last year was pretty incredible so uh, a little disappointed to see that group of frenchies uh maybe not have the same firepower that they used to uh but what that has meant is that that firepower has moved to panas racing uh so this is of course the the team run by or owned by julian canal which owns the mcdonald's on uh in the circuit de la Sarf. Uh, so he is driving with Will Stevens and James Allen. Now that is a formidable group, I think. Yeah, uh, Will Owen. Uh, no, sorry, Will Stevens has had um, pole positions in in the Panas Racing entry. Um, James Allen has has been moving around a bit. Uh, I think he was at Graf last season. He, he did was some at time Graf. in Dragon Speed. So um, 
yeah, uh, <laughs> they're two bloody quick pro drivers to go with Julian Canal, who is pretty experienced. Let's let's not forget in LMP2 racing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you've definitely seen that car. It is the car with the McDonald's logo everywhere on it, and it kind of looks awful, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, so there's your LMP2 category. Uh, well, we haven't mentioned Dragon Speed USA. We did mention IDEX Sport. Dragon Speed, there, it's Henrik Hedman and friends. Uh, has he still got uh, Ben Hanley with him? Yeah, uh, it's put down uh, with a typo as Ben Haley. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. On the entry list. And then for the first round, they've got uh, Ricky Taylor. I think oh. it's going to be like an all-stars merry-go-round revolving door kind of seat in the car where they're just bringing in maybe some american um imsa drivers and just let them yeah. drive with henrik hedman for a race yeah that that seems like a pretty that would be a pretty decent merry-go-round i'd be in for that uh and we haven't mentioned bhk motorsport uh who i believe are stepping up from lmp3 they've got franco de crony and uh sergio campagna as their two drivers uh, and they're racing in the not in the pro am category because Campania's a gold. So interesting. I wonder if they've made that shift because Campania got uh, upgraded, or if maybe he didn't get upgraded. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, BHK were in last season, and that was that the Arjun Miney entry. Uh, oh, I can't possibly. remember. Or was that RLR? Um, the Tower I, event car. They, uh, yeah. I, it, it's. It, I don't expect much uh to be honest i don't know much about this entry uh probably why we're talking about it last um yeah yeah we'll see i guess <laughs> so yeah that that is your 16 car lp2 field not as big as we've seen in, in se- uh, previous seasons but still absolute quality nonetheless uh just looking at the the, the drivers and the names the teams that we've mentioned do you want to have a sneaky go at a championship contender? Who who would you reckon would be your, your top three? And and uh, I'll give you a, a supplementary, a plus one. I don't know in any order. I cannot give you an order, but I can give you a top three. Okay. And the top three uh, would be the 26 G Drive. Okay. So the one with the bloody good lineup. <laughs> then yeah. uh, the... Uh, I'm going to put my neck on the line and go for the 32 United Autosports. Yep. So that's Venoita, Jamin and Maldonado. Yeah. And then WRT. You you believe in Kubica that much? The third one. Um, I believe in him more than I believe in the hate of him. So to put it that way around. Um, I think it, it's just like we mentioned, touched on about Maldonado. Just uh, well, the other Maldonado. A lot of people were crapping on him moving to P two, and then actually he did pretty bloody good. So it's just people remember his one crash in the in at Le Mans. Yeah. Now, yes, that that crash was more valuable than all of his other races doing well, but um, uh, yeah, just. Yeah. Let's see what he can do first before we shit all over him. Yeah. Uh, and then the extra plus one. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm putting it between Panis Racing and Duquesne. Um, let's go with Duquesne. 
Yeah, I, I thought you'd you'd jump with Duquesne. I I'm pretty on board. The only the only question mark I have is that third place. I think of the three teams that you mentioned there, WIT, Duquesne, and Panners. I actually reckon Panners Racing will take that third place. Um, the twenty six and the thirty two do look pretty scary in terms of their driver lineups. Um, I'd I'd probably give it to G Drive more than the United Auto Sports. I think they've just changed a little too much. I'm 100% willing to be proven wrong. If they keep their streak of LMP2 victories alive, that'll be incredible. Uh, but that's that's what I'm going. And what about Pro-Am? What, who, do you, who do you think out of Cool Racing and uh, Racing Team Turkey will, will be the Pro-Am uh, winners? Uh, it's, a great, it's a great question. Uh, I think Cool Racing a lot more settled um, because Racing Team Turkey is more of a new entity yeah. uh, for P2. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Cool Racing on that one. They still have TDF... Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, it is still TF Sports. So as far as an organisation, they're settled, but they're not settled in LMP2. So I will concede that. I reckon you're on the ball there. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season in P2. I, I hope that the changes that they've made don't result in lower entries and the cars looking sort of lethargic. I, I hope they still look like cool LMP2 cars that we've come to be familiar with over the past four seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've had a long wait, so um, I think people will put start put that behind them a little bit when we finally get back to racing. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, something we haven't made mention of, uh, but it's a kind of academic at this point, all Oricas... So there's no chassis differentiation. I mean, it depends on whether or not you count the Aorus as a different chassis, but I don't. <laughs> it's it's the same thing. Uh, so there shouldn't be any uh, chassis malarkey. It is a bit of a shame to not have any Ligiers. So there's no uh, Inter-Europol on the grid this season. There's no Thunderhead Carlin. There's no uh, Settler Velorba Corsa um, because they're now racing a GT car. Uh the convergence of chassis technology has been sad to see, but unfortunately not all that unexpected. Uh, but that is LMP2, and so they'll, a bunch of these cars will probably end up at Le Mans, so we'll see plenty of them as well. And Brujok has just reminded me in our live chat that Inter-Europol has changed to an Orica anyway, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about, <laughs> about uh, the Inter-Europol team. Are there any teams actually running a Ligier anymore? I know that there's no team running a Delara because Settler was the last one to be doing that, but are there any teams running a Ligier? Well, there is a Kio Racing, uh, which I think is Finland-based, and they have a, a Delara, but, and I think they were planning on doing European Le Mans series, but uh, pulled out because probably financial impacts of the pandemic. Um uh, who else? Um, uh, ARC Bratislava apparently have a Ligier for the WEC. That's, yes. That's it. Yeah. So th- they must be just being like, hey, you have a, a different chassis? Let us let us run it because that means we'll get screen time. <laughs> you know, if they can keep it out of the garage. Uh, oof. Uh, LMP3, right? LMP3. Let's talk about LMP3. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to everyone who is a Janetta fan. Um. 16 cars for LMP3, uh, mostly Ligiers, two Duquesnes. Uh, is this the run-on effect of the uh, the handicap that the Duquesnes ran with last year? Or is there something else that's causing the convergence of LMP3 onto Ligier, do you think? 
No, I don't think it was the the handicap. I think it is um, confidence in Duquesne um, as as the entity compared to uh, Norma when Norma was running it. Yeah. Um, so if you didn't know already, people listening at home, uh, Duquesne acquired the rights to the Norma program, um, and they pretty much just bought. I think they just bought the design um, from Norma, but but then had to learn how to actually develop and deliver uh, from scratch, as it were. Yeah. Um, they didn't bring the the knowledge from Norma across. So that comes into part supply and things like that. Uh, Duquesne was homologated late. That's not good for confidence um, and also for uh, pre- early testing. So this kind of Ligier bias was baked in because you could test Ligier's earlier when we were going to the new uh, chassis um, contracts, the new mm. new uh, regulations. So um, everyone uh, could test Ligier's earlier. They had um, more confidence in Ligier because they have really good part supply. And I think we're just seeing the, the carry-on effects of that now. Um, I, I really tend to agree with you there. Uh, it, the the Duquesne versus Norma battle, sorry, the Norma versus Ligier battle was really fascinating, but it seems that uh, Ligier has, through sheer uh, economy of scale, just absolutely uh, won the the P three twenty battle at the moment. Um, but we will see we'll see whether or not Duquesne can peg their way back over the course of the coming season and of the seasons to uh, to come in the future. Uh, there are a few interesting points to pick apart in LMP3. LMP3 does tend to go under the radar just a little bit because of the uh, the required pit stop regulations and the lack of goal, like the lack of pro drivers across the board. But there's a lot of P3 cars to go through. Um, but what is absolutely unsurprising in P3 at the moment is that United Autosports are going from strength to strength, even though that they even though they won last year's championship, came second in last year's championship, and also did the same for the Asian Le Mans series. As well uh they are pretty much at the top of their game and uh they bring along wayne boyd uh who was the silver driver last season uh his teammate tom gamble has stepped up to lmp2 um so now they have uh robert weldon who was the bronze for that car last year and uh edward cohope cohope how do you say that no, I'm not French. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> C-A-U-H-A-U-P-E. So I'm going to say uh, Cowhope or something along those lines. Uh, and then the second car, James McGuire, Duncan Tappy, and Andrew Bentley. They're, they're incredibly solid lineups for uh, uh, for LMP3 teams. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of status quo as mm. the evil empire of P3 still. Still. And continue. Uh, hasn't... Uh, I I think Edward did he win a um LM, Michelin Le Mans Cup uh winner was he a winner in that category? Yes, so um he raced with uh United Autosports I believe in um Michelin Le Mans Cup and won has won uh, several rounds. Um so it's not losing everything, losing Tom Gamble to mm. P2. Um uh, but yeah, we'll see how he does in uh, uh, ELMS instead of Michelin and the Mont Cup. Yeah, the the other uh, sort of evil empire you could say in uh, the 
LMP3 category has been into Europol. They've they've been a strong team for quite a long time. Uh, the combination of Martin Hipper and his co-driver, whose name escapes me because he's got a new one now. Um, who who did it used to be? Oh, bear with me. Um, oh, come on, come on. My Google Fool is weak. No, that's Nigel Moore. Boom. Nigel Moore. There it is. Nigel Moore. So he's gone. Um. <laughs> By the way, if you if you missed that, so Martin Hipper now yeah. has a, a new teammate, Ugo de Wilde, who I have not, I've never heard that name before in my life. It rings bell, Ugo de Wilde, um, but I am shooting blanks at the moment. Um, I hope they can uh, bring the fight uh, like they did before. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, he, that that car has was a incredible challenger at the top of the podium. They they were they had something like two seasons worth of consecutive podiums or something like that in in that chassis. It was just ridiculous what they were able to do. Um, and that's you know going up against teams like United, like Nielsen Racing, who are still very very accomplished. With you know Andrew Wells and Colin Noble is appearing, and, and their other car as well has got some pretty interesting names there. I think Nick, Nick Adcock and Austin McCusker. That's going to be a cool car to look at. The number six car. Yeah, um, Nielsen Racing are kind of nipping at the heels all the time. Um of of united autosports so um yeah hopefully there's some uh some good good racing to watch in yeah uh, also in this class uh cool racing they have a a team um for the lmp3 category that's pretty cool they're getting their own little driver ladder going uh and i've i've just been my eyes has been caught by team virage uh which is a pretty fascinating uh, driver lineup uh rob hodes garrett grisk and charlie cruz now i know all of those names but i don't know where i know all of those names from i, I think f- they did united autosports in the past i think but i'm not sure yeah that does sound familiar actually because that sounds like the the american united autosports car from a few seasons ago or yeah it does ring a bell Hang on, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Uh, the so the Nielsen Racing car that ran at Le Mans last season that had Garrett Grist in it alongside Alex Capardia and Anthony Wells. So that's where he's come from. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting. So that that caught my eye. That's a that's a interesting little grouping. There are a few other interesting little teams. There's in fact five, I think, new teams. So we've mentioned Cool Racing and Team Virage. Uh, who are the other new teams that have made the jump into the LMP3 category? Yeah, so um, the three that I've uh, written down are MV2S Racing, bit of a tongue twister. Um, and the, the 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 key point about that is the previous uh or reigning um gte champion fabian laverne i think was that lusich racing um yeah. has moved up into p3 so that's the key storyline there then there's racing experience uh which i honestly know hardly anything or nothing about um it's a bit of a benelux special um, <laughs> having luxembourg and uh tom Cloet represented uh, from Belgium represented on the driving lineups um and then uh one of my kind of dark horses is um one aim Viorba Corsa who you might recognize the livery of or the car from over a year ago 
in the Asian Le Mans series. Um, you might have even seen them in person. I did. Uh, I did see them in person. Yes. Um, it, it was the the highlighter yellow with the black scribbles on the side. I um, actually have some photos of that car on my phone right now. Cool. Yeah, nice. So um, they did really well. I do remember, was it Shanghai, where they were miles ahead, absolutely miles ahead of the rest of the P3 field. And they kept, I think it was Alessandro Brassan yes. uh, from that. Um, and Lascaratos is experienced as well. And so is Fioravanti. So I think this might be a really good ELMS debut. Um, and of course, Viorba Corsa, they used to run the Settler Delara um, a while back. So uh, an experienced team running the car as well. So, um, yeah, I think this is one to look out for. That is cool. I had not initially uh, clicked on that uh, before you mentioned it. Yeah, I, I specifically remember that car from the bend. Uh, and I'm going to share some photos in the, the live chat now. Because that car was dressed up in a bunch of uh, sort of squiggles and racing references, etc., etc. Across the side of the car. So, a lineup, if they look anything as cool as like they did at the bend. And if they have uh, Brassan, Lascaratos and uh, Fiovanati... That's going to be a really, really interesting car to watch. Uh, they should be a challenger. Maybe not an outright challenger, but they certainly could could uh, put some uh, clip of the heels at some of the faster guys. Cool. So that's that's a pretty... There, there's some storylines there. There's definitely some storylines. Who do you reckon out of that... Oh, there's one team that I reckon we should very quickly mention before we do the predictions sort of uh, comment. Um, DKR Engineering, one of the two cars running a Duquesne. They had a pretty good Asian Le Mans series. Uh, it was marred in part by a few technical gremlins at uh, Dubai. Um, but Lawrence Hoare, as a as the list, currently listed driver, and I think uh, I'll see if I can find who else is in that car. Alain Berg. Yeah. I don't not, know that one. Not sure on Berg, but Lawrence Hoare, if he's any, he's able to put together anything like he was in the Asian Le Mans series in that Duquesne, that'll be a cool car to watch as well. So with that in mind... Who's your top three for the championship? United Autosports. United Autosports. <laughs> and into, Euro comp- into Europol competition. Really? Staying well away from Nielsen Racing? Yeah. I, 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 there just, there's so many like really good ones. Yeah, um, like even yeah, Graf. As you mentioned. Like Sebastian Paget, Alec Trelloway, David Drew. Like, getting away from that. Yeah, I I don't. I've got to be honest. I don't follow LMP3 that often uh, during the races, uh, so yeah, I kind it's... of gravitate to the to the things that I know that stand yeah. out. And it's like, yeah, I remember watching Martin Hipper doing a lot of uh, race winning interviews uh, <laughs> at the end of the race. Uh, yeah. um, so, and United Autosports, or United Autosports. Yeah. I remember the, the they had the full podium picture in the. Uh, Asia Le Mans series where they had first, second, and third. Oh, that was... So, yeah, that's in the memory too. Yeah, and, and that's fair enough. Uh, you, LMP3 specifically is very hard to keep track of, and it's because, I think, it's because of the required pit stop regulation. So it used to be that you had to do two mandatory pit stops over a certain length uh, for the Asian Le Mans series that was 110 seconds, but that was three pit stops, and it was for every class that wasn't LMP2. 
with with the European Le Mans series, it's only for P3, so it makes it much harder to keep track of unless you're intently focusing on that specific uh, thing happening. Um, so I didn't find it as difficult to follow in the Asian Le Mans series, but certainly in the ELMS, it does fly under the radar because you just don't know what people's strategies are because some people will take that uh, that quick pit stop early. Some people will take it later. It'll depend on who's in the car, what's in the car. It's It's very difficult to sort of keep an eye on. But in saying that, I will agree that the two United Autosports cars are clearly the best of the field. And I'll also add uh, Nielsen Racing number seven, the Anthony Wells Colin Noble car. They did some, they, they've been super consistent in that class for a long time. Uh, I will really, really keep a keen eye on AM1 Velorbacorsa. I reckon they will be someone to watch as well. Uh, but that is the P3 class. 17 cars. That's a serious subscription number uh, for the the P three category. Sixteen or seventeen? I've got I've got seventeen written here. How many are you counting? Sixteen <laughs> on the entry list. <laughs> but anyway, there are loads. They're I've got seventeen. Be great. I think you're looking at the wrong thing. It's okay. We'll press on anyway. Uh, GTE. So uh, GTE is kind of the it's it should be better than what it is i think in the in the elms it never seems to have the 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 right punch um as it as it does in for example the wc but still nine 10 cars this season that's pretty cool uh i see you've got written on our run sheet nine but i'm i'm again seeing 10 on the entry list there's a lot of ferraris there's an absolute truckload of ferraris uh, a few porsches and a single solitary aston martin uh, for this category, all running the Goodyear running uh, rubber. Um, driver regulations mean one bronze, one silver, uh, or lower, and then free for the third one. Uh, a few interesting bits and pieces of news uh, in this category. And firstly, uh, the the thing that really strikes me is that uh, the normal Aston Martins that we are used to seeing, the TF Sport Aston Martin or the Beach Dean AMR, Beach Dean have completely dropped off the radar, which is sad, but TF Sport are back without their championship winning car because, or championship winning driver, of course, because Salah Yuluk is now running LMP2. So who's in that car nowadays? Yeah, so the lineup currently is um, John Hartshorn as a bronze, uh, Ollie Hancock as the silver, and then Ross Gunn as the pro driver um if you look back to the most recent series uh, season of asian le mans series uh you might recognize this car um this entry uh it's changed slightly so at, at in the uh, asian le mans series they had charlie eastwood yep. uh, as the pro driver uh, so they've swapped that out for ross gunn it's still bloody good um that's basically a one-for-one uh, switch really exactly um and uh yeah so it's still um there's still like uh precedent for this car um based on previous racing it's great to have another chassis in gte yeah um and uh it's a good team yeah it's a good lineup it is a good lineup i'll be interested to see how the aston martin performs in the elms um it was the Le Mans winning car last year with Salah Yuluk, of course, but uh, there is a, there are a lot of Ferraris to, to get their way around. Uh, we'll talk about the Ferraris in a second. Let's talk about 
Porsche quickly because there's only the two Proton Competition cars. Team Project One have moved up and stayed in the WEC, and there hasn't really been another Porsche team that's stepped into their place. But the two Porsche uh, Proton Competition cars have a lot of stories in them as well. Firstly, the the Fassbender car. Uh, will have eyes on it forever in a day. Um, he has got uh, Fabian Laser, and I'm pretty sure it's Fabian Laser. Felipe. Felipe Laser. Apologies. Uh, Felipe Laser and Ricard Leitz. So that's former GTE Pro World Champion Ricard Leitz uh, in that car. Uh, what's what's the plan for Fassbender? What, what is he going to stay in the in the ELMS forever? Um, I guess his long term plan is to keep making really cool um movies about each race um <laughs> yeah but also go go to le mans um that's the the long term plan um maybe next year um it could he could uh, get a get a uh, an order invite a wild card slot as it were so because uh, i don't see them winning um the or earning an auto entry if um, if the opportunity opened up this year, if a customer pulled out the last minute from Proton, do you reckon he'd be ready? I mean, he would probably say he isn't ready. Okay. Um, I think he should do it because, you know, you're given a drive at Le Mans on a plate and you're a multimillionaire and you're getting loads of help from Porsche who could probably pay it for it for you because of the um sponsorship deals and eyes on Porsches uh that that weekend I'd do it. Yeah. Uh you might not you, you might underwhelm and you and you wanna go for it when you're um in good stead to actually win it. But I think he should, yeah, just go for it. Just take it, jump in, both feet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I I I would be oh I'm interested to see how his development comes along this season. We saw glimpses of uh of of something last season, um, but really it, he's got to start showing so, something a little more. Like even even when Patrick Dempsey was having his sojourn in the Porsche, he had like we saw more and more consistency and then all of a sudden he was on the pace of everyone else doing well and even had one of the best drives I've seen by a bronze driver in the wet at Fuji in the WEC to win that race. So I haven't seen that from Fassbender yet. So hopefully that comes along at some point. Yeah, I think this season or last season was his first in multi-class. Yeah, okay. And these, these P2s can really spook drivers you know coming out super fast behind them trying to do these crazy overtakes because they're under pressure as well themselves to get past the gts as quickly as possible so um he has had some coming together with um i remember paul ricard the p3 yeah uh slamming on the brakes in front of him um moving across in the braking area and things like that so some of these things aren't his fault it's just uh he's he's got to be confident and not spooked around these P3s and P2s. Um, and yeah, I think his experience is getting better and better. Um, he just needs to um, put it all together. Yeah. Uh, and I think with that lineup, they, you know, if he can get his drive time out of the way cleanly, they have uh, an opportunity for race wins for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not every day you have quite literally a GTA Pro world champion driving your car. <laughs> like, damn. I mean, it is if you're uh, the other Proton competition. 
This, yeah, well, this is true. Let's look at the other Proton Competition card, just as an aside. So, uh, Christian Reed, we know about Christian Reed. Jackson Evans, very excited to see him uh, in the European Le Mans series, as well as the WEC. Um, so, that's that's a, a pretty big uh, boon for the Antipodines of the the world, the Australian and New Zealand contingent. Very happy to see him there. And uh, another GT Pro World Champion, Jimmy Bruni. Just easy as you like. Just cause. <laughs> bloody it's ridiculous the the quality of drivers Porsche can just drop in on a customer car she's like here you go yeah they this is they are properly going for it with this entry yeah 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 just a little bit because because of course Porsche uh Proton need more than four entries they need to have like the United Autosport amount of auto entries um for and for those who missed that that number was six auto entries so that's that's what they're going for. <laughs> they're going to take them all. Uh, let's look at the Ferraris because there have been a few little changes and dips in the Ferraris as well. Firstly, the one that really surprised me is the number 55 Spirit of Race car, the one that we've seen for ages and ages and ages in that green color with Duncan Cameron and Matt Griffin and uh, Aaron Scott has now not got Aaron Scott in it. It's got David Perel, which is weird and scary, and I'm not sure that I like it, and I need to know why this has happened. Ollie, why has this happened? Um, so Aaron Scott, he does uh, historic racing, I think, running cars for people, and he wants to concentrate more on his business as that grows. So he's stepping back from uh, racing himself so much, and uh, this... Or that's what he says, at least. Um, and so that's what they've they've swapped out for uh, David Perel as their new silver driver. That's weird and scary. And as I said, I'm not sure that I like it. But hopefully, we'll see that green Ferrari doing some work at the hands of uh, at the hands of all three of them. To be fair, uh, Iron Links number has three cars this time around. Uh, one of them, of course, is the Iron Dames. We'll get to them in a sec. Let's talk about the other cars quickly first. Claudio Giovanni, Sergio, uh, Giorgio Sonagiotto, uh, and uh, Paolo Roberti, the pretty standard Iron Links lineup in the 60. Um, in the 80, uh, that one has Matteo Cressoni and Rino Mastronati, which is pretty standard. And then all of a sudden, you have Miguel Molina. Why is Miguel Molina racing in ELMS? He's, he's, they're doing a Porsche here over Iron Links. Yeah, exactly. Just dropping in a GTA Pro driver uh, out of nowhere uh, into an amateur it's mental Me- it's, it, it is just mental uh and now let's talk about the number 83 because much has been said about the number 83 and for good reason uh the iron links the iron dames is the number 83 car at the moment that has rahel frey and michelle gatting listed which is pretty standard of course with the iron Dames stepping up the wec that means that they've had to shuffle around a few of their drivers because uh in the WEC entry, uh, you have... Oh, no, that's still listed as the same three drivers. I'm confused by that. Anyway, it was meant yeah. to have... Yeah, go ahead. Maybe so, you, so, yeah, you, know it, this, it, you know the story better all, than I do at the moment. It's all a bit weird. But um, so originally, if you if you already knew the Iron Dames crew, um, which was Rahel Fry, Michelle Getting, and... Manuela Gosling. Uh, yeah. And so they were supposed to step up to WEC as a three, as a trio. And then there was going to be a new Iron Dame squad to kind of backfill into ELMS, uh, including um, Cat Leg. Yeah. And then, since, there's been a bit of a reshuffle. So Cat Leg then moved up from ELMS to WEC, 
and Rosner yeah. then moved yeah. away. Uh, she's still doing WEC, I think, but also she moved out of ELMS to do, uh, was it Ferrari Challenge? I'm not I think. sure. Uh, but anyway, um, and then one of the spots um, for the bronze, uh, or supposed to be bronze, was picked up by Esme Hawkey, who um, previously did stuff with Porsche Carrera Cups. Yes. And then <laughs> it turned out she isn't bronze. It, it turns out she can't be bronze is the thing. Uh, so the, the the specific stipulation for a bronze driver is a driver that is in their first year of competition who is generally above 30. So So you can't technically have a bronze rating if you are under 30 and it is not your first year of driving uh you know at aco level competition um and also specifically you're not allowed to have one or like one races in or won a championship in a regional or national series of which the uh what was it the carrera cup category she was running in uh, she was a she was a championship winner, not as a pro driver, of course, but she was a championship yeah, it was pro am. Yeah. yeah, it was a pro am. So even with that pro am category victory, she is ineligible for a bronze rating. However, the paperwork that the FIA received di- uh, indicated that she should have a bronze rating, so that's what she got listed with. But that has now since come out as a mistake. So Iron Links don't have a bronze. <laughs> At the moment. Oh, what a mess. I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> are, are you going to uh, have a sex change as well so you fit the Iron Ladies uh, prerequisite? No, but uh, <laughs> the um, Richard Mill um, women driving car had a, a dude driving it yeah. in the past. So there's precedent for that, I suppose. Uh, fair. I've got no budget as well, <laughs> let's say. Uh, so yeah yeah it's been it's been a bit of a um a wild thing with that uh, car i i think the the management team of mz hawkey uh esme rather esme hawkey uh so i I think someone's been fired um and fun fact uh do you want to do you want to know who the head of that management team is do you want to know who runs uh esme hawkey's management group Mark Blundell. Mark Blundell. No, you ruined it. I was meant. Ah, that's not fair. I mean, it's public domain. It is public domain, but no, it's more fun <laughs> when I'm the one with the secret and screwy information. Yeah, like former Le Mans racer Mark Blundell. How how crazy is that? It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Who made that mistake? Someone. Uh, Someone must have gotten fired for that. It's great press, though. Well, it's not great press. It's not great it's press, good, but it, it, it's good clicks. You know, it does keep them in you're the getting news. Your, yeah, you're getting your your pictures t- showed on the front pages of uh, DSC and maybe Sports Car 365, if anyone looks at that uh, for any reason, um, and, and things like that. So you're getting your sponsors out. You're getting your sponsors out for the original um announcement then you're getting your sponsors shown in the reshuffle you're getting your sponsors shown in the controversy post and you're getting it's yeah, it's, it's, it's great. A, a pretty good invitation for of of uh interest uh expressions of interest for a bronze driver a, a female bronze driver who has a bit of dosh behind her and maybe wants to and jump into an ACO series. Uh, yeah. 
there's going to be another um, article about the new driver as well. So yeah. you're getting like three or four posts. I know I'm being cynical, but... Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's all been a ruse, everyone. It's all a ruse. Uh, they got you. Um, it will be interesting to see who they fit into that car. Uh, I would not necessarily be surprised to see Manuela Gosner step in at least for round one. Um I to be to be honest, I'm a little surprised that she's not just listed in the car already. Um, but off the top of your head, how many female bronze drivers could step into that car? Who who fits those two criteria? Why aren't a lot of the W series drivers bronze rated? I do not know because I've not ever watched a W series. Because race. You just get like, if there's no clash, I think the quite a lot of the good w series entrants are still bronze rated probably not someone like um jamie chadwick kimmy linen um uh or the score or, or or someone like that maybe i don't know they might be silvers um but yeah uh there should be um a bronze driver available uh, out there whether they have the budget that's another question. Yeah, I like just looking at the the list of drivers who should have been in the W series last season. Someone like if they wanted to pick someone based solely on star power, you could grab Abby Eaton. Maybe I'm not sure if she's bronze, um, but she quite possibly could be. Uh, you know, Tamsin Pepper, uh, who I'm pretty sure is the sister of Jordan Pepper. Uh, that would be someone else that they could pro- probably grab. Uh, she's 30, so she could very feasibly be a bronze driver. So there's certainly options there. It's just a matter of who they're going to pick out of that, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, um, putting together too many, um, young drivers who, who might not be eligible, but, um, uh, I don't know, to be honest. Um, is Jackie X's daughter still racing? Uh, good question. I don't remember seeing her on uh, an entry list recently. Um, Cause yeah, I, I don't know. Certainly remember her racing at Le Mans with Pegasus Racing. Uh, Van uh, Venina, X is her name. Venina, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, if she wants to come out of retirement, I'm sure I'm sure she could uh, go for a go for a ride in the series. And then who was the who was the um, young lady that drove at Le Mans in P two um, back when it was open topped and oh, her that, name that is, is, who I was is a of. is a champagne producer. She's part of a champagne dynasty. Oh, is it? It's not Chandon. It's um, I can't remember. But she was recently downgraded from silver to bronze i think last year so that let's, could work let's have a quick look uh uh Ines tattinger is that who you're thinking tattinger. of tattinger yeah tattinger tattinger yeah cool so, as part of the tattinger champagne family so there's a lot of funding there that's for sure <laughs> 
So yeah, it's just us spitballing here. It's been a very, very interesting little uh, experiment. Um, other other ELMS uh, drivers and teams and etc. and what have you. Um, Castle Racing also in only one listed driver at the moment. That's uh, Wei Lu, formerly raced with James... Oh no, that is... No, formerly raced with JMW Motorsport. JMW Motorsport, on the other hand, have Jody Fannin and... Uh, uh, Andrea Fontana, Andrea Fontana and Rodrigo Salas. Yeah. And Rodrigo Salas, yes. The, for some reason, the entry list only lists the, the first initial, and it's really annoying me. Um, Rodrigo Salas, we've seen before. Uh, Fontana, have we seen before? Uh, it rings a bell, um, yeah. But that might be from GT3 racing. Yeah, so he has two listed races in the European Le Mans series, but no results to speak of that I can see. So... Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Ferraris, uh, and then of course the 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 big scary Ferrari uh, is the number eighty eight AF Corsa Ferrari uh, of Francois Perotto, Manuel Collard, and uh, Rivera, who's first Alessio name? Rivera. Alessio Rivera. Uh, that's a pretty scary team. It's good to see Collard and uh, Perotto back together again. Yeah, he was kind of dumped a bit uh, from the the WEC lineup because of. Uh, Nielsen being so bloody good. Yeah. Well, I mean, Collard is a gold-rated driver, though, is the thing. So he was actually racing Yeah, but he's also old. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. It kind of wigs me out that I think it was Emmanuel Collard was racing, like, Group C in the 80s. Like, that's wild. I think he's one of the longest-serving pro drivers in ACO rules racing pretty much ever. And I think he has the the streak for the longest Le Mans starts consecutively. So sorry, he was he wasn't racing with uh he wasn't racing with um Group C. Sorry, he was racing uh GT two from nineteen ninety five uh with Lava Competition at Le Mans. So he's he did I think it was from nineteen ninety five to two thousand and seventeen consecutively before getting dumped because Collard wanted a better pro. Sorry, yeah. Perotto wanted a better pro. Yeah. They pretty... get to hang out, you know, uh, if you didn't already know, have a look at Francois Perotto's Instagram page because he's got an insane car collection. Really? Including Porsche RS Spider, the oh. Dutch car. Um, he, he's got um, uh, GT1 Porsches. He's got um, uh, he's got the car that finished second at the Mai overall, the Peugeot lmp1 uh what else has he got he, he's got uh an smp racing liveried ferrari gt2 what's that 575 can't remember uh and he just goes oh, yeah. to track days and races and hangs out driving with uh collard so it's not a bad gig it's no it's not it's kind of man i wish i had my i, I wish that was my life <laughs> yes yeah, just be a banker, and then you, you'll uh, you'll get there one day. Uh, but that is the the European Le Mans series uh, GT three or GTE, sorry, grid. Wow, that was a that was a slip up. Um, what do you reckon? Who who do you reckon is the scariest looking team? I think AF Corsa uh, yep. look pretty strong. Um, uh, oh. Proton, obviously, 77, yeah. just looks ridiculous. Yeah, that's um, scary. And and for those yeah. who, for those who don't know, you actually have seen Jackson Evan race. He's raced in the 
ice break coffee portion nine nine eleven at uh at Bathurst the Bathurst twelve hour the car that. Matt Campbell raced in the year before and finished like second overall in. So you have seen him race. You know that he's good. You just probably, the name doesn't ring a bell off the top of your head. And that is, of course, if you didn't even like, that's of of, like forgetting the fact that he almost won super cup last season as well. For people that know his name, this is like a a scary good entry. Oh yeah. Um, For people that don't look out. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, anyone else? Uh, so you mentioned AF Corsa and Proton. Uh, I, I, think... I think that's that's it, to be honest, for for me, for the for the for the front runners. Yeah, they are. They they seem to be just a step above the rest. Like even TF Sport, you know, Ross Gunn, great, but Ollie Hancock and John Harson is not not really fill you with a lot of confidence in in terms of overall aspirations. Yeah, they don't have like a legend like mm. we mentioned with the two Porsches and the Ferrari um of Miguel Molina. Um Ross Gunn is still bloody quick, but it's still he's still pretty new to being a pro. Yeah. And like being the the front runner for setting up a car and um being a driver's coach and things like that. So in that respect he's still inexperienced. But uh he's yeah. It's still good. Uh, there, there are other entries that that look quite good. I'm looking forward to to see what the spirit of race the number fifty five can do. Yeah. Um. I I really like that entry. Um. Soft spot for them, but yeah, I think it's a a fight between the seventy seven Proton and um the eighty eight uh, AF Port. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you a hundred percent there. Uh. That that'll be a, a pretty thrilling uh challenge throughout the season. I think. Um, it'll be interesting to see who fires first at Barcelona. Uh, a few little extra bits and pieces that we should clean up on before we stop talking about the ELMS. Um, firstly, there is a uh, an extra entry, at least one extra entry that we'll see throughout the season. And this is we detailed this as part of our podcast, our last podcast, detailing the Le Mans invitations. Um, the SRT Forty One uh, Frederick Sasse Foundation uh, will be doing a few races in the lead up to Le Mans. Um, do you, uh, so we're expecting to see them at least at one of the races, um, possibly at another one. Do you reckon? Yeah, originally for the um normal Le Mans slot I think they were going to do all of the rounds leading up to that they might just do um maybe half of the ones of the season yeah. um Le uh, and especially yeah uh, I don't know because of the high speed nature I think preparing for Le Mans I don't um really know which one they're going to pick they're probably going to pick Spa as well um, for the for the lead up because I think Spa what? currently is Spa is oh no no it's Spa, to be Spa after is afterwards Le Mans. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yes so yeah probably Monza uh, then probably Monza um, but uh, all four of them would be good yes um, all the... of them would be good we want to see more cars on the grid yes um, and uh, what about WEC teams we're we expecting them to do a few of the races if they can get to them yeah with the the um whole politics shift um with the rules of p2 um the the uh WEC p2 teams are going to try and get as uh, as much testing and running as they possibly can to kind of catch up with what they've missed out testing wise and that includes racing uh in WEC. so 
they did it last year with the compressed season. Uh, quite a few teams raced in the um, uh, Spa ELMS yeah. round. Quite a few uh, of the GT where... teams, particularly. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to see that um, come again. Um, we've already seen the um, racing team Nederland commit to the Monza round because I think they're one week apart, the ELMS and the WEC yeah. um, races. Uh, I expect more uh, to see more announcements um, in in uh, P2 and um, maybe GT uh, to do this kind of crossover. Because um, it's, it's a no-brainer, basically. You, you turn up a week early and you basically get an extra round of testing for free. Well, not for free, yeah, and- but... The, the a lot of these teams as well ha, because WEC hasn't been to Monza like in a long time it's a great opportunity to also for the amateurs to practice yeah. at the track um but also gather data at the track um, yeah it'll be interesting to see when we get to that round uh who performs well uh come the WEC race especially considering uh if any of them do the double duty at the ELMS race yeah, any other points you want to make about the ELMS before we wrap this all up Watch it. Watch it's it. Free. Absolutely. It's the best sports car series in the world at the moment. Free on YouTube. Go watch it on YouTube. It's free. Search European Le Mans series on YouTube. On YouTube. Um, also good to watch as well with it is Michelin Le Mans Cup. They'll be joining all of the ELMS rounds as well. That's basically like the support feeder series, I guess. It's LMP3 and GT3. So it's pretty, like, they put on a decent show when they're, you know, not crashing. Yeah, it's good fun, and uh, it also gives you a um, an indication of where some drivers have come from um, when they move up, or if they move up to ELMS. Especially, so yeah. the drivers, the name to look out for. Absolutely, uh, that is uh, that is the European Le Mans series. Remember, it is going to be six rounds, and there's going to be a lot of action, and it has consistently been the best sports car championship over the last few seasons. And you can watch it for free, which. Considering uh, considering where the WEC is at the moment with the paywall and everything, like the fact that you can get that sort of quality uh, for free on YouTube is pretty damn great. And that's why it is my favorite sports car championship at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if you agree, Ollie, but I'm pretty sure you do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, first round. So the official testing starts next week on uh, the 13th, which I'm pretty sure is a Wednesday. A Tuesday, rather. So um, probably will be happening when this podcast gets released, depending on how quick I get my acting gear. Uh, And then the race will be, first race will be this weekend, uh, this coming weekend on the 18th. Make sure you download your Racing Line app to give you all the updates and notifications so that you don't miss a session because you you don't want to miss a session of ELMS action. It's going to be great. Uh, And... It's gonna. It's, it's just gonna be great. Uh, all the all the race hosts will be up on WC throughout the year, and I can't wait. I I can't wait. I'm going giddy just looking at this calendar. It makes me so happy that we're gonna be back racing again very very soon. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Ollie. Thanks for having me. As it's always a pleasure. Thank you everyone who joined us in the live chat, especially Bujok giving us uh, those extra bits of information when we needed them uh thank you to the racing line for sponsoring us thank you our listeners for making this something that we can still enjoy doing five years six years now after we started doing it i've been michael salivari thank you very much for listening peace out
Woo! <laughs>